0: hello my goblins and ghouls welcome back to a special halloween themed episode of the uh, clinical pearls subcategory of the buzzwords podcast today we will be talking about picking a specialty
1: i was supposed to intro well you know what they say when in the room lose all right, well, that's exactly right. This is a clinical pearl, so I'm just gonna repeat everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> exactly <right. laughs> You're like, nope, I wanna do right. the intro. That was good, but I want it. So, nonetheless, can you kind of break it down, kind of what you think everyone should think about, just generally, regarding choosing a specialty?
0: Yeah, definitely. So, there's so many specialties, and you know, there's keep adding more every few years. Um, that it can be kind of overwhelming, especially as a first year or somebody who hasn't spent a lot of time in the clinics or actually seeing the day-to-day life to try and start narrowing down, you know, what you want to do with your life. And unfortunately, with the way things are going these days with medical education, you know, certain specialties kind of require, um, you know, determination that you want to do them, you know, fairly early on in your med school career before you really had a fair chance to kind of experience them. Or uh, you may end up having to take a research year or something to kind of play catch up after the fact and, and increase your competitiveness for those specialties. So, um, the first thing to think about would probably be, you know, where do you see yourself practicing? And I'm not talking about geographically, but I'm talking about, you know, what kind of setting. So do you love being in the hospital? Do you like, you know, like going on the wards and like, you know, being in this big building, or do you like the clinic type of lifestyle where you're, you know, you're seeing a ton of patients in a day, but it's kind of like out at like a separate facility versus, you know, inpatient rounding, which can take, you know, hours and hours and hours. Um, and then the other big thing to kind of so so that will kind of help you narrow down um, you know a big number of specialties uh, in terms of your interest and then another big way to kind of cull the herd of potential specialties is uh, if you're interested in surgery or if you're not interested in surgery is a really good kind of dividing line to um, to narrow down your choices and then it kind of really from there just kind of comes down to whatever you know work life balance you want and what uh, your actual interests are in terms of you know the things in medicine that kind of keep you interested
1: right so what i heard is your interests where you want to work which is a big deal actually I mean I think people can pretty quickly tell like I love being in the hospital or man like this this atmosphere is just not for me and then moving forward do I love it enough to be a surgeon do I want to be a medical doc I'm kind of branching off of those two pathways and there's a couple in-betweens that we'll probably touch on but it seems like there's a couple big I guess division points that every person needs to battle and kind of go through.
0: Yeah, definitely. And one other thing that I would add, actually, while you were summarizing that, I thought of it, is, um, you know, you shouldn't focus too much on these, like, huge, interesting, rare cases in a specialty. Uh, You should think about what they do in their day-to-day life and think about, you know, the top five or maybe the top ten things that they treat on a regular basis and figure out if you can see yourself being interested, you know, dealing with those conditions for the majority of your time in the hospital or in the outpatient clinic.
1: Exactly. Yep. I think that's great advice people think about all the craziest stuff that you can do but in reality it's the mundane stuff that you need to be happy to do so I remember someone told me like oh GI is so cool because now you can go into the stomach and like do basically the gastric bypasses uh like through the stomach just using a scope where you staple the stomach like internally and I was like how many people do you know that that are doing that that's probably like you know super hyper specialized academic centers otherwise like you better be okay scopes and IBS and all that good stuff um day in and day out uh, so it's, it's the reality versus kind of the idealism of each field.
0: Yeah, exactly. And another that's also a good point about academics is that, you know, as a medical student, you're generally at a tertiary academic medical center where you're doing your rotations. So you do get to see all these cool, crazy cases. But, you know, for the 50% of doctors that work in, you know, just a, a non-academic setting, like they're not going to be doing those cases or even, you know, know about them. So something to keep in mind.
1: Yep. And the only other thing I'll add is, is look at the people around you. I don't think it's a be-all, end-all. But, for example, I recently was speaking to a medical student who was on my team, and I asked him, oh, do you know what you're interested in, and he goes, something along the lines of, oh, I've liked everybody I've worked with so far, so I can see myself doing all of these. And in my head, and I might have said this to him too, but I'm thinking, there's there are nice people in every field, there are assholes in every field. Um, if you get along with people, you're probably gonna like every field because you're gonna get along with everybody. So at some point, you need to get away from like the people, because you'll find the happiest gen surgeon, you'll find the most depressed dermatologist. But You gotta have to, like, get, like, a general vibe. You have to look at the residents. Um, But at some point, you can't just use, like, how you felt, if that makes sense, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, You could have a malignant general surgery program, right? And there can be, like, a fantastic general surgery program down the street that, had you gone to, would have made you pursue it. Right,
0: exactly. Well, these programs are so small that, you know, each program is kind of its own microcosm of personality, kind of driven by, you know, one or two... domineering personalities, you know, like the department chair or something, uh kind of higher up in the in the department. So just because you don't get along with people uh in your gene specialty at your program doesn't mean that you shouldn't be afraid to go rotate at a different program and, you know, make sure that it's not just your program that, you know, you don't vibe with and it's you
1: know. Yeah, no, I agree. And something that I think makes more sense to do is to actually look at the patients. Look at like are the patients that are coming in happy to see the doctor? Do they leave feeling you know, like they were listened to, like there's actually a solution to their problem. I remember this this pretty incredible dichotomy. One day I played hooky in the afternoon on a neuro rotation. So in the morning I, I was on the stroke team and we did, you know, we rounded on patients and then we went up and we presented them and they looked at the MRIs and they talked about T1, T2, blah, blah, blah. Then we went and saw the patients and all the patients are, um, you know, post-stroke and they're depressed and they can't talk and they're frustrated and um, they have family members there who are crying. And then in the afternoon, I skipped down to the dermatology clinic and people are laughing and hugging and everyone's smiling and talking about their families. It's just like, it was like a different world. It was like insane. And I thought like, where could I see myself for the next 30, 40 years? It, it definitely lean more towards that outpatient dermatology clinic rather than inpatient stroke. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So the, so the patients, I guess.
0: Yeah. Right. I guess, I mean, the, I guess the point with that is that you're not, I mean, you are treating the diseases, but you're also treating the patients. And so if you are going into a field, uh, make sure that you're, happy with the patient outcomes and that you know you can kind of deal with that the patient population that you're you're treating
1: right don't think like oh i'm gonna go into oncology and save everybody if you do that you're gonna end up depressed and you'll be out of there in in a week yeah you know
0: definitely so how did you go about picking a specialty
1: so uh, a little 30 second tidbit about my story is i was undecided throughout the four years of medical school essentially came in thinking maybe ophthalmology based off some experience. My father's a surgeon. I thought, hey, maybe I'll do some surgery. So I really was focused on kind of some, some pretty competitive fields from the start. So did all that research and did all the good stuff like volunteering and vice president of this club and that club. And I was just kind of checking all the boxes. And then come third year, I started off with medicine and very quickly realized like, oh man, I can't be in this hospital for too long. Like the hospital kind of bummed me out. It seemed like people were relatively negative, at least the place I was at. The residents were overworked and really did minimal medicine and a lot of charting. So it just wasn't a great fit Um, but then I went to surgery and and I realized again, like, Hey, this is definitely more fun, but man, like, like it's your life. Like these residents are, are sleeping every second they get here, um, because they're just so exhausted. And, and, um, even the attendings were just like, this was their life. So at some point I had to start balancing, like, what, what do I want? I ultimately was like for a good four months thinking psychiatry, because I thought it was mentally stimulating. i like the outpatient setting, but ultimately thought about like the end outcomes, like you mentioned, and, and I started leaning against that. So it came towards the end of third year beginning of fourth year and this would be my first tip for most people is advocate for yourself especially in third year because I don't know about most people's schedules but mine was not lenient they wouldn't let me do you know a day off for for example ophthalmology clinic I remember one day saying like hey can I take off like one day of my eight weeks of internal medicine I know I don't want to be an IM doc and go see what the opto clinic like is like or maybe the OR and I got like no no leeway so it was it was incredibly frustrating to do anything so advocate for yourself, try to find a way. So what I started doing is actually just going to the physicians I was working with. So I go to the family med clinic and be like, Hey, do you mind if I just like take tomorrow afternoon off and go next door to like the dermatology clinic and like shadow them? And they would be more than happy. They did that multiple times for derm and for ENT and for radiology. And they were letting me explore knowing that I hadn't made up my mind yet. So advocate for yourself in choosing a specialty. And so I did that and come the end of third year, I was leaning more towards dermatology after seeing some cool procedures, seeing the medicine, seeing how happy the patients were, the fast pace of the clinic. I mean, it was every, it was like checking off all the boxes for me. I was I was very happy with the field. So ultimately went into fourth year with the mindset, hey, I'm gonna do derm. And let's say a couple months pass and I, and I decide that ERAS is coming up and this is not a field for me, then I'll take that year off and I'll reassess. But ultimately stuck with it, uh, advocated for myself both in choosing a specialty, like I said, but then also for bolstering your resume. So between the time fourth year started when I chose dermatology, And when ERAS was due, I reached out to like all of the dermatologists at multiple nearby institutions. I reached out to community dermatologists. I really just got my feet wet however I could with journals, among other things. I think by the time I started fourth year, I had zero publications. I knew nobody. And by the time ERAS was submitted, I had at least eight or nine dermatology publications just three months later um, and knew multiple people and had done four or five away rotations all because I advocated for myself. So that was kind kind of just my little story. The one thing that I'll add is that Uh, Something I started considering later on, and that I wish I'd considered earlier on, is just like the landscape of medicine. Like, like, how is medicine going to change? No one can predict it, but like, what are the general trends that people are seeing? So, if you ask someone, you know, twenty years ago, like, would all practices starting to get start to get like bought up by major institutions and private practice physicians start going away? They'd probably say no, but I'm sure some people saw that and saw uh, what was coming coming forward and were able to adjust accordingly. So think about that too when you when you start choosing your field. Like, it's like, oh, do I want to do family medicine? Like, sure, but. What's the legislation saying recently? Is the fact that nurse practitioners are now autonomous? Is that a concerning thing? Do I want to be an anesthesiologist? Is the fact that CRNAs are now autonomous without oversight in the VA system an issue? Um, do I love it enough to maybe take that risk? Who knows? We still don't know if that's going to impact either of those fields, but it's just something to consider. Does AI affect radiology? Who knows? So um, I think it shouldn't be your number one reason, but it should be something in the back of your head um, when you're considering any of these fields, like how safe is this field uh, in the long term?
0: Yeah, I think those are all really good points, but I think that last one especially should serve as a a bit of a warning because, you know, you, by the time that you're applying for residency, think about the, just, you know, the decades of education that you've invested to get to that point. Um, and the length of your future career, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, who knows what's going to happen in the landscape. So you should try and, you know, temper your expectations or, or go into a specialty that you think, well, one, obviously you have to enjoy it, but is also, you know, relatively insulated from. From those uh, potential encroachments that you had mentioned, and I think also to your point of of advocacy, as you had mentioned, um, you know, just asking whoever, like whichever physician you're working with that day, if it's okay to take the afternoon off to go, you know, explore another specialty. In my experience, the people that you work with directly will be a lot more uh, lenient and understanding of your desire to go. You know, cause it's not like you're playing hooky and doing nothing. You're going to go, you know, shadow somebody else. Um, so they tend to be a lot more understanding than if you ask your admin. So just something
1: to keep yeah. in mind. So likewise, you were relatively undecided and just recently, I guess, picked a specialty. I don't know if you've 100% picked it, but you're definitely leaning a specific way. So can you tell us more about how you chose that and also maybe a little bit about why you decided to take a year off to pursue it? Yeah,
0: sure. So, um, you know, like you, I kind of had a hard time figuring out what I was interested in. You know, I don't have any, um, nobody in my family is really a doctor, so I didn't know exactly what I was getting myself into uh kind of going into it i mean i worked as a scribe for a couple of years but that's not quite the same um and so i kind of rotated through everything third year and i did enjoy most of it but um i just had a really hard time you know nailing anything down and then towards the end of third year i actually did a radiology rotation that i i really really enjoyed um and i could see myself doing just you know straight diagnostic radiology but going back to the concerns about encroachment you know is ai going to take over or there's even some talks of allowing um you know, mid-level providers to read their own studies and stuff. Um, I wanted to kind of do something that would help future-proof my career a little bit. So, and I do like procedures, so I decided to pursue interventional radiology. Now, um, I don't know, for those of you at home, if you're familiar with the charting outcomes, but it's the new kid on the block, and it doesn't have a lot of spots yet. So it's actually, by the numbers, the most competitive specialty right now. Um, And as a third-year who didn't really know what they wanted to do, I, you know, I did well on tests and stuff, but I didn't have... I uh, didn't have all the other kind of accoutrements that are important for a a, uh, competitive specialty application. So I decided to take a research year um, and have gotten involved with the IR department, have a few projects cooking, um, and also, you know, pursue an MPH at the same time and kind of help my application from that standpoint. And this year has also given me the opportunity to get involved in more um, clubs and like leadership and volunteering stuff that my application, I feel like, was a little bit
1: softer on. Nice. So we'll do it again taking this year off, I think it's for IR specifically, just such a tough field. It's almost necessary nowadays, unless you start really early.
0: Yeah, I think if you wanna do IR, you kinda have to hit the ground running. The fortunate thing with IR actually though, is there's, because it's kind of in the state of transition, there's technically three ways to get to it. So you can do the integrated IR residency, um, or you can do what's called ESIR, where you're doing a diagnostic radiology residency with kind of like an integrated fellowship uh, that's one extra year, or you can do just a straight diagnostic radiology Fellowship and that, or sorry, a diagnostic radiology residency, and then apply for a IR fellowship that's two years. Um, and so you kind of have some options in terms of going into it. Where if you feel like you're not ready to commit fully to IR, or you're not uh, maybe competitive enough to apply to IR, you can actually dual apply DR and IR, and then just if it doesn't go your way in the match, you can just do DR and then kind of backdoor your way in through the ESIR or the uh, fellowship pathways. Now I thought about doing that, but at the end of the day, it's an extra year of residency. And so I figured I would rather spend an extra year working on my application, um, and then just apply IR directly versus spending that extra year in residency, potentially at a program that I'm excuse me, potentially at a program that I'm not as happy with. Definitely.
1: No, I think that's a great point. And so just to wrap it up, I think we, we spoke about a lot of good things. What some people have begun to do is actually create resources, such as the Undifferentiated Medical Student Podcast by Ian Drummond, uh, that really dives into each specialty and, and specifically uh, what they do, what their life is like, would they do it again, etc., etc. So I recommend that anyone that's l- listening to this and is still undifferentiated, definitely check it out, the Undifferentiated Medical Student. It was relatively helpful for me. It definitely helped me rule out specific fields.
0: Yeah, I agree. I like listening to it when I was like cooking or kind of just relaxing at the end of the day. So yeah. it's definitely
1: worth a listen. Definitely hundreds of episodes and and even more and more niche, like talks about MBAs and entrepreneurship and um, academics, research, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think it's something that anyone that is undecided can find some value in.
0: All right, everybody. That's it for today's uh, special October, Spooktober themed episode of our uh, Clinical Pearls sub episode of the Buzzwords USMLE podcast. Uh, Follow us
1: on uh, Instagram. What's your Instagram, Bobby?
0: So, you know, you said it before, but I didn't write it down. So, I believe it's a uh, usmle underscore
1: buzzwords. Perfect. Rolls off the tongue.
0: At hotmail.com or no,
1: no. <laughs> yeah, app. that's actually our uh, AOL IM uh, chat server. Oh, nice. All right, y'all have a wonderful day and a great rest of your week. See y'all soon. Bye bye.